0: good to fall back into bed when the alarm went off and realize you had another hour, right? Spring forward, fall back, amen. The only problem with that, of course, is y'all are going, hey, isn't it lunch? Isn't it noon right now? No, it's not. We're close, but we'll get there. If y'all behave well, you'll get out early today, okay? All right. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Genesis, the 26th chapter. The 26th chapter of Genesis. If you were here a few weeks ago whenever I shared... Uh, you'll remember that we were in, like, Genesis, the 38th chapter. you going, what's the deal here? This is a prequel, okay? Y'all are familiar with sequels, right? Prequel now is kind of the trendy thing to do, Star Wars, right? We were introduced to Luke Skywalker when I was a kid, 1975. Then George Lucas comes back and introduces Anakin Skywalker, who, if you, a spoiler alert, that's actually Darth Vader. Okay, if you don't know that, you should get out more, but... Anyway, it's a prequel. That's what we're going to do today. Last time, we talked about Jacob wrestling with God. Today, what I want to talk about is Jacob's dad, Isaac. And what we're going to talk about with regard to Isaac is how he contended for his covenant. Okay, how it's the title of my message, Contending for Your Covenant. It's about how Isaac was born into the covenant of Abraham. Abraham was a a man back that lived in in Iraq at the time, present-day Iraq, Ur in those days. And God appeared to Abraham, and he said, I want to introduce my relationship. I want to introduce myself back into man after Noah and the flood, right? After the fall of man, I want to reintroduce my relationship. I want to re-restore again that fellowship that I want to have with man, because God's a God of fellowship. I mean, he created us for that purpose, to fellowship with him. And so he appears to Abraham and says, Go to this land that I will show you, and I want to enter into covenant with you. Now, let's talk a minute about covenant, um, because unless you hang around church... Quite a bit, you don't hear this a lot, right? We hear the terms contract, we hear the terms agreement among nations, we hear the terms treaties and pacts and those kinds of things. Um, but if you, if you don't know too much, you haven't studied a lot of the Bible, you don't know about covenant. Let me let, Let's talk about that. The most common illustration that we have in our modern times is the marriage covenant, right? It's a covenant of marriage. And in ancient times, what would happen is, Two large families or two large clans, if the two of them wanted to join together, wanted to join their resources, if they wanted to join their, their possessions, if they wanted to join the, together, the two leaders of each of these clans or the leaders of these two families would cut a covenant with one another. And what that means, there would be a ceremony that would go with that. Typically, in that ceremony, there would be the shedding of blood. Thank goodness we don't do that nowadays in marriage. That's later on, right? That's 10, 15 years. I'm kidding. But but in the the marriage ceremony, there would be a, a shedding of blood. And what would happen is, typically, they would take a sharp knife and they would cut their hand. Each of them would cut their hand, and then they would join hands together like this. Actually, they would shake hands like that. And they would join hands, and then they would be bound together. They would take a cord or a strap, and they would bind them together, and their blood would intermingle. That's the whole idea, is their blood would intermingle. And the idea would be that the two of them had become one. Right? Sound familiar? The two of them had become one by the intermingling of their blood. Later on, and even in those times, they would take sulfur, or they would take something, gunpowder later on, and they would rub that in that wound and that wound, and then what would happen is whenever you would approach someone, a stranger or otherwise, they would hold up their hand, and they could see that cut right there. It would stand out vividly against their flesh, and they would know if someone was coming, they would know that that particular chief or that particular family was in covenant or was in league or was in alliance with another one. I was surfing the other day, came across Daniel Boone, right? The old Daniel Boone, Fest Parker. Daniel Boone was a man. You guys didn't. Anyway, he, yeah, I remember that. Michael remembers that, right? And so anyway, he was greeting this chief. It's interesting because I was kind of thinking about this message. He was greeting this chief, and he goes, you know, how, Daniel Boone? You know, and that, that's where that came from, right? Literally, it's that cutting of the covenant. He was showing that he was in covenant. Nowadays, right, what we do is instead of the cut and the gunpowder, we, would, we put on a ring, right? I wear this ring to show that I am in covenant with Cindy Cypert Rowley, right? And the two of us have come into covenant together into marriage covenant. There was an elaborate ceremony, right? And there was a meal. That's part of what goes on with the covenant. And so now when people see me, right, and they see on my left hand, they see, oh, Marty is in covenant with someone. And the covenant that I have with Cindy, just like the covenant that these two families would have with, with one another, would mean All that I have is hers, and all that she has is mine. The two of us shall become one flesh, right? That's what you speak in the the marriage covenant. Two shall become one. So God appears to Abraham back in the early days of Genesis. God appears to Abraham, and he says, I want to cut a covenant with you. Genesis 15, you can go there sometime and look at an elaborate ceremony that God went through to cut the covenant between he and Abraham. But here's the wild thing, right? I mean, kind of the cool thing. This is God, the creator of the universe, literally coming down to earth, right? Literally coming down to earth and saying, I want to come into union with you, Abraham, and your descendants after you. All of your descendants, I will be a God to you, and you will be my people, right? I will be your God, and you will be my people. So the first beneficiary of that covenant was Isaac, Abraham and Sarah were 100 years old. They were, Sarah was barren, had not had any kids. And God appears to them, so you're going to have a son. And they named him Isaac, which means the son of laughter, right? The son of joy. And so Isaac is born to Abraham when he's 100 years old. And so Isaac is the first beneficiary of the covenant of Abraham. We'll talk in a minute, just kind of a little news alert here. In a minute, we'll talk about whenever we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are engrafted into God's covenant with Abraham. Isaac was the first beneficiary. We are one of many beneficiaries because we become a part of the lineage of Abraham. We become a part of the family of Abraham. We become adopted Jews, if you will, adopted children of Israel. And we move into relationship with God by virtue of the covenant he made with Abraham and by virtue of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us, okay? If you don't take any, y'all can go right now. Y'all can go eat right now because that's really what Michael's leaving. Yeah, that's that's really what you need to understand is when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the benefit, one of the huge benefits, is that you move into God's covenant with Abraham. So today, what we're going to talk about is contending for that covenant. How do you grab a hold of it? How do you begin to walk in it? How do you begin to manifest it in your life? How do you see God's provision, his protection, his security, his peace, his abundance? How do you see all of those things in your life, in your relationships, in your finances, in your business, in everything that you do? Because that's what God intends for his covenant to be to us. He intends for us to manifest that covenant to make it visible, to make it apparent in our lives. And by the way, that's what attracts other people to Jesus Christ. They see the benefit of the covenant that you have in Christ, and they say, I want that. I want what they have. And then they say, what, what do you have? I have a covenant. I'm a child of the covenant. I'm in relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm with I'm in relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Okay? So y'all have been in Genesis 26 for a long time. Let's read there. Beginning in verse 24. It's going to come up on the screen, <clears throat> excuse me, and and but let's begin reading, Genesis 26, 24. And the Lord appeared to him, Isaac, that same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. Okay, <clears throat> let's pause right there for a minute, excuse me. <clears throat> We're going to pause right there. I'm okay, I really am. I just need to work through it, okay? Okay. Um, it's allergies just this time. I'm ready for that first freeze. Thank you, Paxton. What a, what a servant heart. Thank you very much. Uh, it's always awkward when the speaker takes a drink, but talk among yourselves. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Okay, so, we're, and, and so um, God appears to, to Isaac, and he says, I'm going to, I want to come into covenant with you for my servant Abraham's sake. Because I cut a covenant with your dad right, because I was in covenant with him, because you were simply born into the family, right, you're simply born into the family, then I want to cut this covenant with you too. I want you to be a beneficiary of that. What do we have to do in order to move into the covenant of Abraham? Be born again, Right? just be born again. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You confess him with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. Then you shall be saved. And that salvation means you've been born again. means you've been born into that covenant with Abraham. Just like Isaac. Right? Just like Isaac. So what does Isaac do? Because of the deal I made with Abraham, God says, I'll bless you. Verse 25, so he, Isaac, built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Okay, now there is Canaan, right? Israel, present-day Israel. But there also is right next door to Philistia. Philistia was the home of the Philistines. By the way, interestingly enough, the Palestine, the Palestinians trace their lineage to Philistia and to Philistines, so the war is still going on. Right? Still, the battle as to whose land it is. But in any event, that's where they are. Right? Isaac is right there in the middle of Israel, in the middle of Canaan. And God said, and, and he said, okay, I, I, built, I built an altar here. I proclaimed the name of the Lord. And he, there his servants dug a well. So, two things that are significant in this verse that I want to teach on today. And that is how Isaac contended for the covenant of his father Abraham, first by building an altar there and calling on the name of the Lord. Okay, if you were a God worshiper in those days, if you were a worshiper of Jehovah in that time, well, you wouldn't have a church to go to, right? I mean, in fact, you would be pretty much secluded because all around you are going to be Jebusites and Canaanites and Hivites and Hittites and Amorites and Parasites and uh, all of those sites, right? And so, but they're all worshiping, other gods—they're worshiping the god of the moon. They're worshiping this god called Dagon, who was half fish, half man. You know, they're wish Asherah—that's another one that had carved these totem poles. They had all these other gods, and so you were secluded. You were there by yourself, and they were hostile to Jehovah. They were hostile to folks coming in like Abraham and like Isaac. And so he comes in, but he builds an altar there. What he does is right in the middle of the of all these inhabitants, what he does is he piles a bunch of rocks together, basically. It's what an altar is. Piled a bunch of flat rocks together, makes this huge mountain right there, and proclaims that God, Jehovah, is his God. Right? You know, it's kind of like setting up in the middle of New Orleans and Mardi Gras, right? Erecting a cross just right there in the middle of New Orleans going, Jehovah is my God. God is my God. Right? People are going to kind of look at you like, what? You know, and some are going to get hostile. I'm not going to like it. But what, what Isaac is doing is he's saying, God is my God. He's calling on the name of his Lord, and he's saying, I have no other God but Jehovah. The first thing you do to contend for your covenant The first requirement, the threshold that you have to cross over and step into if you want to begin to enjoy the benefits of being in covenant with the Lord God Almighty is make Him your God. Make Him your God. right? All the other gods that are out there, power, money, pleasure, self, you know, hello, all the entertainment, wealth, Possessions, those are all gods, right? We don't live in Philistia nowadays, but we live in a land that has many, many gods, right? And we see that playing out every day in our entertainment industry. We see that playing out in our schools. see that playing out everywhere, right? We have many gods. This is a, we're in a culture of many gods. But the first thing we have to do as children of the covenant is to say, Jehovah God is my God. I'm not talking about just putting a fish on your car, right? You know, nothing wrong with the fish on your car as long as you drive like a Christian, okay? That's the only thing. But, but, you know, I'm talking about God is my God. You begin to reflect Him in your values. You begin to reflect Him in the way you treat others. You begin to reflect Him in your charitable acts. You begin to reflect Him with your, the way you control your anger. You begin to reflect Him in all that you're doing. That's how today we build an altar and we proclaim that God is our God. The right? second thing he did here was he called on the name of the Lord. Right, He called on the name of the Lord. And this is an important point, and it's really not in my notes, but it, it occurred to me last night as I was thinking through this message. Calling on the name of the Lord essentially says, Lord, you're the one to whom I turn when I'm in need. When I'm in need of peace, Lord, I don't turn to drugs or alcohol or TV or whatever. When I'm in need of peace, I turn to you. Lord, when I'm in need of provision, I don't begin to strive and stress and work harder and do all those natural things. Lord, I turn to you, right? I call on your name. Lord, when I'm in in need of, of strengthening my relationship with my wife or with my kids, I call upon you. I call upon the name of the Lord. What it indicates is dependence upon the Lord in place of independence upon yourself, right? reliance upon yourself. And so that's what Isaac did. He built an altar, and he called on the name of the Lord. The third thing that he did was he dug a well, okay? He dug a well. This is an interesting concept in the Old Testament. If you ever have a little bit of time to to do some studying, look at this idea of what it means to dig a well. Just a very quick synopsis of what that is. In those days, they 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 were herdsmen, right? And so they had flocks, And they also were farmers, you know, they raised crops, but for the most part, they were herdsmen. And so this is arid, honestly, obviously, it's Israel, it's an arid area, you know, dry. And so if you could dig a well, if you could could find a place, dig deep enough, and get water, then that was an important possession. And you then, the owner of that well, whoever dug that well, not only did you own that well, but you also owned all the region within a day's travel of there. Because what you could do is your flocks, you would go out and graze your flocks a day in every direction from this well, and then in the evening you'd bring them back and they'd water at the well, right? And so also all of your wives and kids and everybody would gather at that well. That's where it would be. So digging a well, digging the well was the equivalent of possessing the land. Digging a well is the equivalent of possessing the land. What that meant was Isaac had heard what, what God had said to Abraham and had heard what he said to him. He said, I want you to possess this land. I'm giving you this land of the promise. I'm giving you this area from the Jordan to the Mediterranean Sea. I'm giving you from the mountains north all the way to the Egyptian desert beneath. I'm giving you this land. Now, I want you to go in and possess it. What that means is you dig those wells and you begin to occupy that territory. You begin to show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what, that's what he's doing, right? And so Isaac digs this well. Now, the problem is they're in the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines, the last thing the Philistines want is a squatter like Isaac to come in and to begin to occupy that land so there were enemies of his and what they did they came in and they they filled in all his wells they clogged up all his wells and tried to run him out you know what isaac did drilled it they dug another well and they came in and they filled up that well you know what isaac did dug another well he kept digging wells and they kept pouring them in until finally they came to him and said your god is greater than us you're stronger than we are. You go ahead and dig your wells, as many wells as you want. You can live here with us, right? In fact, we can look at that. I think we've got that scripture. Genesis 26. Uh, yeah, Genesis 26, 12, I think it is. Guys, are we there? Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Is it there? Yeah, it is. Very good. Leaped and reaped a hundredfold. The man began to prosper. Look at this. I love this verse, or this verse, verse 13. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. So you want to hear the prosperity message? You know, go to Genesis 20. Prosperity message started way back there in Genesis 26, 13. He became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. So they just keep filling it up. Here's the point, though. Ultimately, they came to Isaac and they said, look, you can dwell here. When you proclaim the Lord your God, even your enemies will live at peace with you. He makes even your enemies live at peace with you. How and why? Because He's the God of all gods. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the best God you can have. Right. So when people see you're affiliated with Jehovah God, with the number one God, ultimately, they're going to say, we can't contend with you. We can't contend with you. You go ahead and dwell in the land in peace. You go, ahead and st- you go ahead and live here, and we're going to envy you. Ultimately, we're going to come into relationship with you, and ultimately, we're going to serve that same God that you serve. It's lifestyle evangelism, right? And it's what we're called to do as Christians. So here's what, here's what Isaac did, right? He did three things. First thing is, he built an altar in the midst of, of these enemies. And when he built that altar, what he said, what he was saying was, God is my God. He made Jehovah God his number one God. Second thing he did, he called on the name of the Lord. He appropriated for himself the promises of God and said, those are for me. I, that covenant is for me. I'm a beneficiary of that covenant, so I called upon the name of the Lord. Third thing that he did was he possessed the land. He possessed the land. I can't think of a more timely message on the Sunday before Tuesday's elections than a message that talks about possessing our land. Okay. Possessing our land. What that means is regardless of how the vote comes out, by the way, when you go vote, pay special attention to some of those down ballot elections. Some of those down ballots they're very important as well. I'm kidding. I don't have an opponent, so I'm not worried about it, okay? But that's all right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if Cindy voted for me, I got one vote, I'm good. I'm there. So. But, it, but, you know, it, we're coming up to possess the land. Now, we don't know how this is going to come out, right? If the pundits and the prognosticators are right, then we could be in for some rocky four Either way, we could be in for some rocky four years. right? I mean, but, but still... Possessing the land means regardless of what's going on around us, regardless of the turmoil, regardless of the chaos, regardless of whatever levels of ungodliness that we're seeing, right? we continue to stay firm. We continue to walk in covenant with our God. We continue to expect and appropriate the benefits of that covenant that's made available to us because we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen? And then he dug the well. Right, he dug the well. He possessed the promise. So, let's go to a scripture, right quick. Ephesians six ten. Say, okay, Marty, apply that to me. Right? What does the New Testament say? He spent a lot of time the Old Testament guy, you know. Said, but look, what, what does the New Testament say? Go to Ephesians six. Familiar passage. You all have seen this, but it's a very good description of everything that Isaac did to possess the covenant. Right? To walk in that covenant. Here's what it says. Finally, my brethren, Ephesians six ten is where we are. Ephesians six ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Right? What's that? Calling upon the name of the Lord. That's building that altar. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What's that? Regardless of the Philistines that are around you, regardless of the enemies that are in your midst or in which you're in the midst of them, be strong. Stand against the wiles of the enemy. And that's how we do that. For we do not wrestle against fresh flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. You can go on and read the rest of that, but for time's sake, let's just stop right there and let's, let's apply that to our lives, right? What that means is every day we put on the armor of God. Every day we appropriate the promises of the covenant that have been handed down to us for generations and generations from the time of Abraham all the way down to our present day life today. We stand, we put on that whole armor of God and we stand against the wiles of the devil. When we do that, we are fulfilling the covenant relationship that we have with God our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So is that witness to you? Good. I hope so. So I hope tomorrow and this week and when we hear the news on Tuesday and whatever whatever happens, we are unmoved, right? We walk in the fact that we're covenant and covenant with Almighty, the almighty creator of the universe and, and we stand in peace. We stand in prosperity. We stand in abundance. We stand in supply because what Jesus Christ has done for us and because of the covenant we have with God. Amen? Okay, very good. Okay, Paxton, if you guys don't mind coming up. If you all would just stand there a minute, I'm, we're, we're going to close. And let me, let me kind of finish with this. Let me, let me summarize. Like Isaac, right, like Isaac, if we make the Lord our God through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, then we continue to, and we continue to contend in the faith by inviting the Holy Spirit to guide and indwell our lives we too can and will be beneficiaries of a covenant relationship with a loving heavenly Father. Okay, so if our altar ministers would come forward just a minute, here's what I here's what I would like to do. Right, um, you don't have to come forward, by the way, to proclaim that covenant. Okay, I mean you can just do it right there where you are. In fact, you'd probably prefer to do that, and, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. Right there where you are, though, just in the time when Paxton and the the worship team's playing, if you would, just quietly, if you want to just kind of reach over there and take your, your spouse's hand or your children or whatever, just because to realize, to proclaim, my family, myself and my family, are in covenant with you, Lord. Father, we're in covenant. We declare you as being our Father. We declare you as being our Creator. We declare you as being our Lord. You're our God. And so, Father, we ask, just say, Father, we ask, just speak that out. Father, we ask that your covenant would be visible and would be manifest in our lives. Any area of your life in which you're not seeing the manifest presence of God, or you're not seeing the blessings and the abundance that God has made available for you through his covenant, then just turn that over to him and say, Lord, we just just call upon your name. We just invite you into that area. And, Lord... We're going to dig a well right there where we are. We're going to dig that well. We're going to possess that promise. We're going to possess this land. We're going to possess what you have given us. And we're going to occupy this land as you have called us to do. Amen. And then if there's any area in which you need prayer. You know, the word says that if any two of you agree is touching anything in my name, it shall be done unto you. Right? That's why we have the altar ministers here. So that they can come and agree with you in prayer. These are faith-filled folks. They're here because they want to agree with you in prayer. They want to lift you up. It's not any kind of admission that something's wrong with your life if you come forward and pray. It just indicates that you recognize that one can put a 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. That's what the Word says. So just any area of your life, particularly the troubling to you, compelling to you right now, and as Paxton and the band come, plays, then y'all come. And the last thing is, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never made that commitment to say, truly, you are my God, this is the best time to do that right now. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. God called you here to hear this particular message because he wants you to come into covenant with him. So if you want to do that too, you just come forward and they'll pray with you. Pray that prayer salvation and you can move into that covenant that's available. Amen. Okay. Bless you guys.